back at Benzinga. Oh, that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's like, oh yeah, back at Benzinga. We're here in Miami. It's April 2023. I always throw the date out, the year out there now, because this thing will be online for thousands Forever. of years. <laughs> Yes. And I always think it's good to write things down. It's good to record things. Yeah. Imagine if uh, if the boys and the apostles, you know, did things <laughs> right. in a timely manner and didn't wait 30, 40, 50. I'm just saying. Yeah. <laughs> I'd like to make right. You know, first of all. We're, this we're, is the post-Easter edition. Is it, that what you're saying? It, we got George from uh, Pure 5, my buddy. Hey, George. Save hey, it George. faster, cheaper extraction. The, the greatest extraction <laughs> the greatest machine. greatest extraction ever. The uh, greatest extraction machine ever. This man is, he's the fact checker. He's a PhD in physics. He's a scientist. His knowledge of the cannabis plant, the cannabis from the technology scientific standpoint, yeah. far exceeds mine. Yeah, I think I've known George for probably five to seven years, easy. Yeah, we yeah. met at different trade shows. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So, like, when people out, you know, like you, obviously, you're, you're genetics master and stuff. So when it starts to get confusing for my simple mind, I look to him. Yeah, yeah. And so he, he jumps in and says, <laughs> Let me, this is what's going on, okay? Okay, but first of all, I got some old friends here from the cannabis industry. And uh, Tim, did you have you have your freedom? I, I do have it, but I didn't put it on. Oh, Tim got one last night. Tim was, got one I last was night. To get one but I have time. not given Chris Day his freedom dog tag. Uh, thank you very much. That thank is much. that we, we give those You're out from Mita. We have about we're doing about about 70, 80 of those. Uh, Pam Donner, High Point Jewelry. Glenn, uh, her husband designed it. He passed away about a year ago. Him and I bonded over the whole concept of liberty and freedom. And for the last 10 years of my cannabis journey, the family's been friends. And so we give those out. They're from High Point Jewelry, one Thank of our you. sponsors. And, and you are an old friend, and you've earned one. So Thank it's you. good that I ran into you to give you one. Appreciate nice. it. That's so awesome. enough about me and, and this. I want to introduce you, and I want you guys to show the audience a little bit about your journey. You guys are journey men. You guys have long experience. So just kind of run through how you got into cannabis, your experience, you're like, well, in high school, I was, so start, <laughs> just kind of journey through, and then we'll get to where you're at today, and then we'll, like, emphasize and focus on your, your projects and your current company. Sure. Do you want me to go first? Yeah, Tim, yeah, okay. so, so I'll go first. My name's Tim Gordon. Thanks, Dimitri. And, yeah, my, my cannabis uh, journey started, um, you know, in my late high school years as a second-generation farmer, and you guys had quickly evolved into the metamorphosis of opportunity and the swing of regulation and legalization. So I was a, I was early adopter in Colorado. I was the 83rd medical marijuana patient of the state and started an early caregiver co-op, and I had a dispensary running by 2006 and sold it by 2010 and had already gone through all this crazy stuff that a lot of people are just experiencing out here. Uh, over the years, I've had the blessing to talk about this plant in different continents, to universities and stuff. And now I really just enjoy business optimization with Chris here and GPS. We really focus on new and emerging markets and how we can influence opportunities for businesses and, 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 and governments and, and legislators. So you were, you were involved in, in, in right in the heydays of the medical marijuana movement in Colorado. Yeah. And the 2013, was it? Was it uh, 2012. 2012, 2012 in Colorado. It, yeah. I, my years. Why yeah. do I scrub like that? 2012, the legalization in, in, in Colorado. Yeah, you've been in, involved in that. What were you? Uh, when did when did uh, you after you sold your dispensary in 2010? Uh, what did you do before your current situation? What, what, yeah. What so after I, like? after I sold Medicinal Gardens, we, I started a consulting company, and it kind of evolved into many different opportunities. You know, it was initially just focusing on cultivation and. And pretty soon I was able to, you know, focus on extraction and processing in different ways. So I got to work with some big companies who were initially in, in, in coming into the aspects of 
you know, scaled legal cultivation in Canada. I got picked up by Privateer Holdings and Tilray years ago to do some work for them in the very, very beginnings. And, and since then just evolved and I, and I really love evolution and it's a continuous education and journey and it's kind of, you know, following this plan and this pathway, it's been a blessing and an opportunity, it still is. And that's why, you know, it wakes me up each day and, and uh, I keep going, so. That's awesome, and when did you meet Chris? Uh, a few years ago, Chris and I, I had known of Chris just through MJ Biz and his success there building that empire. And um, Empire. Yeah. MJ Biz the empire. Yeah. <laughs> it's a team uh, effort, yeah. just to be clear. It was a, I'm but sure. But I appreciate it. Yeah. I just think it's funny you referred to MJ Biz as an empire. I'm like. Uh, well, you know. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Uh, so, so, but now you guys work together. Yeah, now we're, yeah, yeah. now we're, now we work together. You know, yeah, GPS came and, uh, you know, we've both uh, evolved into the fold of that. And, you know, Chris is, uh, is, has been gracious enough to take the reins on a brand new opportunity, and it's fun to follow in his footsteps. He's got a great team behind him, and we enjoy what we're doing. And we get a lot of good work done. We've got a lot of confidence in what we do. No, GPS, uh, somebody was just telling me, uh, GPS, those guys do a good job. Somebody told me that last night. Yeah. I forgot who that was. That's good. We'll, we'll, we'll we need have. to keep perpetuating that. <laughs> yeah. yeah. No. As much as possible. Yeah, but let's talk about, about I've got Chris for a second, and then you can talk a little bit more about getting deep into GPS and what you guys do sure. at GPS, what you offer, who should be reaching out to you and stuff. Yeah. But, Chris, your journey in cannabis, I know you were with MJ BizCon. Was that your first cannabis? It, it was. That was my first foray into the cannabis industry. Foray. Nice when I, um, <laughs> and I had spent most of the 25 years prior in advertising and marketing agencies, running both large scale and small scale. So really, I tell people my background is in challenging marketing problems mm -hmm. and figuring out how to solve them and then managing and building teams of people that are smarter than I am to achieve great things. Excellent. Um, and, and that's- So you're saying I can't be on that team? Well, you know, you can you can be an honorary member, Dimitri, <laughs> <laughs> just as I am. No, I, I caught the, that. Uh, <laughs> just kidding. But uh, no. So you what year did you start with MJ BizCon? Let's see. I guess I went in there. I, my first show with them was the Washington D.C. show, which was right as the transition was happening from being sort of a small regional show into, mm -hmm. hey, let's make a really big. Uh, large national and international program in Las Vegas. So um, like 2016? Yeah. And then 2016. And then you left in Early. 2020, right? Yep. That's correct. And and that's when uh, Jill Reddish and I founded the Global Cannabis Network Collective. And to me, that's, that's the heart of what I believe in for, um, for the cannabis industry because it's um, commonly motivated multinational uh, executives, experts, all working towards expanding the global ecosystem and working with each other's strengths and helping support uh, that industry regardless of what country you're in, what continent you're on, um, sharing knowledge, creating deal flow, helping to optimize that, that <coughs> networking that we're all, we all come to shows like Benzinga yeah. for, yeah. but really just getting to brass tax man and saying, how do we drive this stuff forward? Everybody tells you all the things you can't do. What are the things you can do? And how do you right. move that ahead? So to me, whether it's through GPS, GCNC, or just conversation, that's always what I'm championing is fine. It's really hard. We all know it's hard or we wouldn't be here. And now we have to figure out how we navigate together yeah. uh, as a 
collective group. Yeah, so the Global Cannabis Network Council. Collective. Global Cannabis Network, Network Collective. Yes. When I met the Juicy Fields guys, yeah. I, I was trying to figure out who to call. So, yeah. <laughs> you know, like, can, no, you should have called me. <laughs> no, but I, think I, I met them before. I think what, what time? What year? The Global Cannabis. The, the, the Global Cannabis. Network. We launched that in 2020. I, I started to concept it in 2019 because yeah. I, I knew my time was up. The, the, ju- <laughs> but, the, ju- yeah. the Juicy Fields guys were like in 2018, 2017. They started. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and I remember meeting them the first like in Spanibus, and they were telling me their model, and I'm like. This is not legal. This is what you guys, you can't do what you say you're going to do. And then they said, I, I said, I said, are you guys taking money in the United States? They're like, no. They're specifically staying out of the United States to avoid being prosecuted <laughs> for financial crimes yeah. and that kind of stuff. And I was like, I was like, you know, who's tracking this, guys? You know, I think, look, on the internet, taking Juicy Fields is a, it's a tragedy, frankly, yeah, yeah. because it sets the industry so far back overall. It's a shame. But I think separating from that conversation specifically, because it is so tragic for so many people, I think <laughs> it, the lesson to be taken it's, it's from funny. that yeah. is no matter what industry you're in, you, and especially in cannabis, if it sounds too good to be true, and it's being sold as the easy pathway. It's too run. Good to be true. Right. And, and, and you <laughs> right. know, the, 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 your network is like a natural extension of what MEDA does in the state of Arizona. And we want to do it in the United States as well. It's the transparency. It's the accountability. It's the collection of individuals who are functioning at higher levels within the guidelines of the regulatory structure. How do you find them? How do you know about them? Who are they? And, and you guys, I mean, it is... It will move faster towards international commoditization. It has outside the United States, yes. Yes. As, yes. as you guys know. I mean, we don't need to get into all the details, but yeah. people should call you to talk about what's happening from Colombia, cannabinoids going to Canada and Germany, this and stuff. Yeah. I mean, that's the knowledge that you guys have. Well, and Germany made moves literally today. Yeah. The story was breaking today on the definition there. I mean, Mexico, where I moved to recently, has been making moves as well. Um, so. Yeah, it's definitely happening, and that's always been my areas of interest, is yes. how does the global market affect what's happening in North America and vice versa? Um, and there's not very many places you can go that has people who are actually living it every day that can answer those questions for folks. And right. that's what we try to be, is that resource um, where you can come and ask those questions, and then also we can help build the businesses that serve those markets. Well, I know, sorry, Tim, I've just been a real quick comment. I'm always trying to, after 10 years in this industry and seeing everybody protect their niche in the supply chain, a lot of lobbying, a lot of bullshit around money and stuff, I've realized that the industry should build, be built around the best interests of the patients yes. and the consumers. And that's why we're taking MediaUSA towards the brands and brands that support that concept because they can. Yeah. Um, but don't forget to shoot off an email to all the congressmen and all the senators <laughs> to remind them when they do do federal legalization to take into account, put a little something in there. If they have to do a little tariff for, yeah. for, for, for product coming in from Colombia, yes. you know, the patients want access to global cannabis in the United States. Yes. And who's going to bring that up but you guys? You yeah, know? it's a common... I mean, I think a lot of people are going to be protectionists here in the United States you know, saying, I oh, don't, don't... Yeah, yeah, it always starts that way. I mean, Tim... Part of, part of what makes the partnership 
with Tim and I and the rest of the GPS team work so well is that um, we all spend a lot of time in these international markets. We all care a lot about the business people. And, and so as you look at global trade policy, at the end of the day, you have to take the perspective of what helps, you're right, the patients, and what helps the businesses that serve those patients in a responsible way. The governments will take their cut, but from our perspective, that's the extra stuff, right? I yeah. know Tim was in Thailand. You were in yeah. Thailand, right? Thailand, Thailand, a couple of weeks ago, yeah, looking at that ago. market. Yeah, you know, and I just, just want to touch one thing, you know, like, you know, in this cannabis, in the cannabis industry, right? There's always groups that I've watched over decades now that are are uh, you know true pioneers. And I just you know what you guys did with Chris initially with the GCNC and really taking the first global approach for a U.S.-based entity is 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 really has just been you know I just love the forethought of it because cannabis right now is truly global outside of our you know kind of four walls here in America. Hopefully soon to change. But, it, but yeah, you know, the GCNC is a, just a wonderful platform and a really great uh, accumulation of business and opportunity within there. And it just uh, it was really great when we had that opportunity to work together. Thank you. But do, I was talking, go, no, ahead. go ahead. How do people find out more about the G, GCNC? Uh, GCNC.global is GCNC. the website. GCNC.global. Yeah, or just search my name, I, I try to be very easy to find for people yeah. who want to either I use your WhatsApp. cannabis <laughs> or yeah, WhatsApp <laughs> is, is great, LinkedIn, all of those places. Um, and, and that's also often the entry point for companies that work with, with GPS. Yeah. Um, because one interesting outflow of, of building that organization is now, you know, we have dozens and dozens of members around the world that um, all are actively trying to help each other out. And when they join, they have to check a box that yep. says, we will collaborate, we will work with other members because that's the heart and soul of what it means to be within that organization. Um, and it's how we drive responsible, the responsible cannabis industry worldwide um, and help make an impact. And let's talk a little bit more about GPS and how that was founded and what's that about? Who wants to take that one? I can start and then you should sure. <laughs> chime in. So yeah. GPS was originally co-founded by uh, Bob Hoban and Charles Feldman. The Hoban master. Yeah. So um, Jill and I merged the GCNC into GPS um, just under two years ago now. And so we combined it into a... Um, what we envision as a global powerhouse of connectivity and subject matter experts around the world to help really inform uh, businesses that have needs in their markets and share knowledge. So there's a great team of people at GPS um, and subject matter experts that serve a lot of different needs. Tim, for a number of years, has served as chief science officer while also doing all of his other things. And now we're merging all of that together under the GPS banner, um, which gives us some of the best <laughs> understanding of the science and the genetics and everything that Tim has going on. 
as well as the business expertise and the brand building and the global connectivity that the GCNC and GPS combined bring. So um, in my estimation anyway, and I am biased admittedly, but it creates something unique in the world right now uh, that we provide as an offering. Definitely, definitely unique. So, you think? It, yeah, I, I think, mean, yeah, he's, he's like the sure. Spock of GPS. Yeah, yeah. The for sure. Officer. I, when Has you, anybody seen that yet? When you put me between right? these two guys, I feel very no, intellectually he, inferior. No, he, <laughs> has, have you guys referred to him as the Spock of GPS? No, but I like it. Right? I don't Chief know science if officer. Yes. Are you with me on that? Come on. <laughs> it's like we were raised together. You know, he's meet as chief science uh, officer. Yeah. But he's more like data. So. <laughs> but How easy is to, to Tim's, join? Tim's yeah. role, by the way, is so much larger than that. We've actually completely redefined it. And um, he's really you're helping Spock's me. role? Spock was yes. like, it was like Kirk and Spock. Yeah, except he never had. Are you the Jim? Are you the Captain Kirk of GPS? God, let's not. Do this. Oh, is that can, we, can we kill this? Can we just kill this analogy? I don't like it at all. We're great partners, and oh. I love it. Oh, I'll be, I'll, I'll be the Lieutenant O'Hare. Partners, and that's what I love. Yeah. It. yeah uh, so. Uh, so, so you were saying you were gonna say? No, I just you know yeah. You know, GPS definitely is unique right now in the ever-evolving cannabis space between the, the team of professionals that has a reputation of success and strength and community building to understanding the scope of the industry out beyond our doors. And mm -hmm. really, I love to say, you know, we keep our finger on the pulse, but we also have a clear crystal ball of relatively what's to come. You know, between Chris and Bob and our other founders, we're really like one touch away from the industry at all and any times, 24 hours a day, which is really important for people who are gonna come into this industry and make strategic decisions that lead to tactical operations, or even folks right now who are reviewing operations and need the insight of boots on the ground, what's the industry doing, how do I change to, to, to optimize in this ever you know, changing flow of things. So um, it's really an opera, you know, like gee, I consider GPS an opportunity for companies. As we come in and partner for them, it's an opportunity for them to expand and, and, and really grow and for us to you know, bring our partnership and network to, to them for that opportunity. So. I like that. I like that. I'm sort of like the, the, the guy who says there's, there's smoke in, there, excuse me, there's gold in them hills or something. And you guys are actually the guys who know if there's gold in them hills and can go in there and help and actually mine the gold and figure out who the miners are and kind of stuff. You know, so, so that's, that's awesome. You guys are, you guys play an extremely important role. I'm, I'm sure like, as, as, as George was asking, you know, how do you become a member? But who, like, should become a member of, 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 G, of GCNC and, and who should work with GPS? What kind of people do you guys want reaching out to you? We want to help build companies and support cannabis industry professionals who are trying to, in whatever region of the world they're in, are trying to build a responsible, profitable and impactful cannabis industry, right? And in whatever stage you're in, whether it's, hey, we've got to change the way in which our government thinks about this, we can help with that. To identifying the genetics and the, the way in which you're going to cultivate and identifying what is the market entry opportunity and how do you operate legally and within a framework that makes sense. Those types of companies, depending on where they're at, makes sense for GCNC and GPS. You talk to us and we can tell you 
the best pathway and the best entry point to 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 hit that. So and, and, uh, that's and, what I'd say. Any unusual stories like countries that you're like, I can't believe this happened in this place in this way. Is there anything like that struck you? I mean, the whole yes, but you have to take me off a recorded yeah, microphone say, and I'll I buy a beer cool and stuff. we'll do that. But <laughs> ah. yeah, some things are meant to be recorded. Some aren't. <laughs> Okay, well, <laughs> I can probably guess what that goes, but th but that's cool. I mean, and every jurisdiction is developing a little differently. They're uh, replicating a lot of things. Yes. Personally, I'm not a fan of licensing caps. I, yeah. I think that's a little... I've seen you post about uh, that. You know, I'm just... <laughs> Free market opportunity. Yeah. I had 4,000 social equity applicants uh, that were educated under a program that we did in Arizona and they did Zoom meetings and stuff and these are people that are willing to get out of bed to learn more about the cannabis industry. They had their different hardships and stuff that they were eligible. Uh, 1,200 of them paid $5,000 to the state to try to get a license and yeah. the state ended up giving 26 licenses. Yeah. And those 26 that won the licenses um, were happy but what I saw was thousands of my fellow man who were willing to engage and try to make an effort to improve themselves and to uh, get involved in the cannabis space be left behind by government structures yep. not by their own desire and to me yep. that kind of uh that and many other things you know solidified my belief in and that licensing caps are just a natural abomination but yeah a necessary thing for some reasons you know i a large part of my job is studying cultures Yes. And um, understanding how people work within the different frameworks around the world that exist. Um, and as a general policy, I also support free markets allowing people to, that want to participate to do so and creating um, a breadth of entry points that um, are socially equitable, that make sense within the culture and all that. And... Um, I think almost every government, when building it, they end up in these silos where um, they know what, it, what it's going to take to get something across the finish line within that space, but they lose sight of their constituents and who they're really meant to serve by trying to achieve some goal. Um, it certainly happens in the United States, and all I can say to that is even when it's over, it's not over. Absolutely. Right. We can still go back. We can still rework these systems. We can still create new opportunities. And that's really, for those of us that are here, um, I, I think that's our task. Yeah, we got to keep moving things forward. And when we move things forward and they don't culminate exactly the way we would like them to, then you keep going back and you keep changing it. Yeah, and uh, definitely li licensing has its role. I had to get licensed to have this podcast. Not. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah. Yeah. No, thank God, yeah. I would never get a license. The government cannot stop this podcast. I'll say, there you go. Shut down YouTube. <laughs> let's or Spotify. not encourage them. Yes, let's not. See, no, never encourage the government. Yeah. I mean, we. I, I one another thing I love about the cannabis community, cannabis industry, is yeah. I was kind of a libertarian coming into the cannabis industry in 2012. Yeah. yeah. But my God, how can any member of the cannabis community, especially those who required cannabis as a medicine, ever trust the government? Yeah. Yep. I mean, we had 50, 60 years. Republicans, Democrats, scientists, uh, Americans, uh, Canadians, dictators, kings, queens, sure. you know, democracies across the board. They all jumped in, forms of government, 
taking away their right to a simple plant medicine. Yep. It's just insane. You know, it's, um, yeah, it's tough to, to know who to trust, and it's um, tough to know when to stay silent, when to keep sort of pushing things. One thing I will tell you, though, is I've learned to trust show producers. Yes. And when the show oh, yeah. producer waves like and says, <laughs> wrap it up, I think we all need to probably wrap it up. All right. As time has grown short. Yeah, well, I, I don't know. He, he, he like he just ran away. And then he bolted. He's he like, probably, he probably had to <laughs> I'm not sure what's going on. So did we, get, uh, did we get out how to get in touch with you guys? Yeah, GCNC.global, uh, GPS.global. And, of course, Tim Gordon, Chris Day were both very easy to find. Yeah. And, and he's on Facebook. We're really close Facebook friends. So this <laughs> has this has been another episode of Amina Shekel. Tim, Chris, we're old friends. Look yeah, forward yeah. to seeing your development over the years and helping support your guys' causes and your efforts and your organizations any way that we can here at Mita. So thank you for joining us. Great. We'll see you in Berlin, I think. Hopefully. All right. Talk to you. Later.